If you have your Bible with you today, please open with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms again. We'll be in Psalm 37, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you today, uh, the text will be up on the screen in just a moment. But we're going to be continuing our message that we started last week, uh, dealing with living right in a wrong world. Living right in a wrong world. Now remember that the author of this psalm was King David, and he had all kinds of stuff go on in his life. Um, a, a lot of this stuff that he writes about, he, he experienced firsthand. But he talks about, in, in depth here and uh, elsewhere in the book of Psalms, about the inequities of life, about how sometimes the wicked are the ones who are, are prospering in this world and the people who follow God, the people who try to keep their nose clean, who try to do what the Bible says to do, are the ones who don't get ahead. And instead of either getting worked up or angry or even envious, uh, David says that the person of God needs to respond in certain ways. Now, this is a very lengthy psalm. We're only going to look at a few verses today. In the verses that we're going to look at, he gives us six different things, six different responses that we should have. Last week, we looked at the first three, and that was uh, don't fret or be envious of the wicked. Uh, he also said put your faith into action and delight yourself in God. And what we're going to pick up today, we're going to look at the last three things that he says. And hopefully, as we work our way through this, uh, it'll, it'll, help us, it'll help us to understand how we should respond. Now, just like last week, whenever we looked at this, um, these three instructions that he gives are very short and to the point. They're easy to understand. Not always easy to do, but easy to understand. And so I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word as we begin reading in Psalm 37. And let's see what we need to be doing as we try to live right in a wrong world. David says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 5 because that's where we left off last week. And the first thing that he tells us to do is that he says that we need to lean on God. Lean on God. Now, if you'll notice in verse 5, it doesn't have the word lean anywhere in there, but it does have that word commit. In the Hebrew, the word that's translated as commit means to roll something, to roll a burden from one place to another or to, uh, to move a, a heavy object from point A to point B. And so that it's used, for instance, of rolling large stones. You think about the Old Testament. Uh, you remember that whole story with Jacob and Rachel whenever Jacob is looking for a wife and he sees Rachel. She's a beautiful woman, and he sees her, and he wants to impress her. Now, guys, this is nothing new. I have I've had a college professor or somebody, I can't remember who it was, that he was, it was wintertime, and he had a, I don't know what kind of vehicle he had, but he saw some pretty girls on the side, of the, uh, like walking up the sidewalk, and he thought he would impress them by uh, gunning the gas. Why that would impress a girl, I don't know, but that seemed like the thing to do to him. And so he, 
he gunned the gas and it spun out of control because he hit some ice and, and hit the curb and messed up his car. Well, Jacob, whenever he saw Rachel, he wanted to impress her. And the Bible says that she was a shepherdess and she, she was bringing her flock in. She was going to water them. You remember this story? And there was, this, uh, there was a well there, but she couldn't move the stone because it was a heavy stone. And usually it would take several guys to move it. And so Jacob sees her coming. He sees this big rock that needs moved, so guess what he does? If you read the Bible carefully, he alone picks it up and rolls the stone away. Same word that's used. He's, he's rolling this stone. You think about the story of, of Jesus' burial. They rolled a large stone in front of the opening of the tomb. This is the idea. It's, it's rolling a burden from one to another. And so what David is saying here in verse 5 is that we're encouraged, we're entreated to cast, to roll our burden onto him. And not just our burdens, not just our cares of life, but really our whole way of life. And what a wonderful invitation that is to cast your burdens on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And the Bible says that in both the Old and the New Testaments to give your burdens to the Lord. What does Jesus say? He says, all who are heavy and weary and heavy laden, come to me and what will I give you? Rest. Why or how? By taking your yoke, his yoke upon us. Now sometimes, as a parent, you've probably had this happen or maybe you've had this happen where you're the, you're the one on the weak side of things. But I've had times whenever we went to Walmart or whatever it is and we have bags of groceries. And I can't stand to make more than one trip. I mean, I will have like 50 bags on each arm if I don't have to go back outside. Well, sometimes uh, my, daughter will, my daughter will help with that, and she'll be bringing stuff in, but sometimes things are kind of heavy. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times those Walmart bags won't hold a piece of paper hardly without tearing, but sometimes they're, it's, it's almost like magic, and they can hold a whole bunch. And she, she'll be trying to carry that in, and she'll, I'll be like, hey, you want some help with that? And, it, you know, it's not work for me. It is for her. And that's, that's the picture of what David is saying. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. Sometimes we have those burdens that are too heavy for us to bear. And, and just like a, a child trying to carry in a, a, a heavy object, we can give it our best, but we just can't do it. And we can try and try and try, but in the end we just, we just wear out. And what David is saying is, and what God is saying is, let him carry your load. So how do you do that? Look at verse 5 again. There's a key in here. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. There's your key. And he'll do it. Trust in the Lord. What's that called? That's called faith. Sometimes we seem to think that if we will just worry enough about something, it's going to change things. If we, if we will be intense enough about the thing that we're concerned about in the future or, or our present situation, whatever it is, if we'll just worry enough that that's going to make things change, but it doesn't do anything. Mark Twain says something to the effect of, I've suffered many terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. You know, we, we worry about things, and many of them don't come to pass. And when that worry comes up, we have to make a conscious choice, don't we? We have to say, you know what? I am not going to worry about this. I'm going to give this to the Lord. And when you do that, look at verse 5 again. What's he going to do? He will accomplish what you've entrusted to him. The Bible says he'll do it. 
What you give to him, he'll do. Now, he does it according to his will, not according to our will. Sometimes don't we think, well, if God's not going to do what I want him to do, I'm just not, what's the point of even giving it to him? Well, that's kind of dumb. Because God knows a lot more than what we do. And he, his will is always a lot better than ours. And, and so give it to him. But I want you to just consider how powerful this thought is. Look at verse 5 again carefully. He says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will do it. Now in the Christian life, many times we think about us working for God. But here the Bible says that God will work for us. Not in the sense that we're His boss and we can say, God, you need to take care of this little matter over here. But rather, He graciously works on our behalf. And what, what an incredible thought that is. Now, what's this business about in verse 6? He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. What's he talking about? Well, given the context, it seems that he has in mind the people of God being falsely accused. Remember, we're talking about uh, living in a wicked world. And it seems like the evildoer, the wicked person, is lying about the Christian. Uh, they're, they're telling falsehoods. They're slandering them. And the Bible says that God will vindicate his people. He'll make it plain that lies are being told, so entrust yourself to him. That's what Jesus did. If you read through the Gospels, as he was being tried before he went to the cross, they were slandering him. They were, the Bible says, reviling him. But he didn't revile in return. He didn't, he didn't start mouthing off to him. Instead, the Bible says that he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So the Bible says we need to lean on him. Now I want you to look at verse 7. It tells us the second thing we need to do. We need to rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Now do you notice a theme between verses uh, 5 and 7? Verse 5 says, Cast your cares upon him, roll your burdens onto the Lord, and not just your burdens, your whole way of life. Roll that onto God. Verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. What's the main idea? The main idea is that we should stop worrying and fretting so much. We, should, we, we need to stop that. We need, not, we need to not think that we can or should try to fix things on our own. We need to trust God to take care of it and to take care of us. Now, if you look at verse 7, it says, Rest in the Lord. What does it mean to rest? Well, probably think about taking a nap. People always think about taking a nap when I preach. I don't know why. But rest here means that we quiet down. It means be still. And notice it's, it's being still towards God. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, he's not talking about being still in regards to prayer. What he's saying is sometimes... We get a little discontent in our heart, don't we? We start to murmur. Maybe we see the godless people prospering. We're looking at what's going on in our lives, and we say, it just ain't fair. It just ain't right. God, I don't like the way you're running things. You need, to let, you need to take some counsel from me. I'll tell you how to fix it all. And this verse says, don't do all that. Instead, wait patiently for him. And, and this is hard because we want God to work, and when, when, do, we, when do we want him to do it? Now! We want a miracle. When do you want it? Now. 
We want God to do it on our timetable, and God says, You're, I'll work, but it's going to be on my timetable. Now, there are a couple of images that come to my mind as I think about this. The first is that of a farmer. Now, a farmer will go out and he'll plant his crops, he'll cultivate, do all the things that need to be done, but ultimately he leaves the harvest to God. And really he has no choice, does he? C.H. Spurgeon, the uh, pastor of, of old, said, uh, you know, the farmer, he can't command the rain, he can't command the sun, he can't make the dew appear. He's got to leave it all in God's hands. And likewise, we must obediently trust God and leave the outcome in his hands. The other image that I think of when I think of this is the Exodus. You remember Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they hadn't been gone from Egypt too long, and the Pharaoh said, oh, what am I doing? I've let all my free help go. I better go get them. So the Israelites, they get up to the Red Sea, and so they can't go that way, and then they turn around and look, and here come the Egyptians. The army is following them, so now they're trapped. And here's what Moses tells them. Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you, who you, whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. And again, he tells us, don't fret because of evildoers. See, this fretting and being quiet and waiting patiently on God are opposed to one another. They're opposites. So David says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And the last thing he says in verse 8 is we need to control our emotions. Control your emotions. What does he say? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Now, if you'll compare verse 8 and verse 1, you'll notice that they're very similar. It makes kind of a literary sandwich, if, you, if you, I could put it that way. In verse 1, he says, don't fret, don't be envious because of all this bad stuff you see going on. Why? Because, verse 2, the evildoer is, is going to wither like the, like the grass. At the point of death, all this, all this prosperity they have, it's all going to be left behind. At the point of death, all this vitality that they have, all this good stuff that they have, that's all going to be done away with. But here the reason is different. If you'll notice verse 8 again, the reason that he gives is because anger and wrath and fretting lead to sin. It leads to evil doing. As Matthew Henry said, a fretful, discontented spirit is open to many temptations. I thought that was, that was well said because when you're in that state of mind, you're not trusting God. You're not living by faith. You're opening yourself up to all kinds of sin because as anger goes up, our restraint goes down. So what's the answer to all this fretting and all this worrying and all this stuff that's going on? Well, again, the answer is faith. A preacher from generations past said this, Faith cures fretting. Sight is cross-eyed and views things only as they seem, hence her envy. Faith has clearer optics to behold things as they really are, hence her peace. See, things are not as they should be, but neither are they totally what they seem. Sometimes in this life the Christians prosper, and sometimes the wicked prosper. But we have to remember that this life 
Number one is not the end, but also this life is very short. It's, it's but a vapor. It's but a shadow. It's but a fleeting moment. It's a blip on the radar screen of eternity. And one day each of us is going to breathe one last time and, and we're going to stand before God. And the wicked, maybe they've lived a rough life. Maybe they've lived it up in this world. But either way, the result is still going to be the same. In the, in the life to come, they'll face eternal judgment and separation from God. Before the believer, things are going to be different. No matter what our loss in life is, whether we've had a, a rough life or maybe we've been prosperous, the Bible says that in the life to come, we'll receive an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. You might be discouraged today. You might be distressed with all the stuff going on in the world, maybe just stuff going on in your life. And the Bible has something to say to us today, and that is, well, does anybody still read books? A few of us do. We all watch TV or the movies, right? Okay, so in a, in a book, if you still read, TV, movies, whatever it is, we wait till the end until we see what the author, how he wraps it all up, right? It's like that in, in life. We need to wait to see how the author of life, the author of our salvation, ties up all the loose ends. We have to wait to see how he sorts it all out. But in the meantime, cast your burdens onto him. Rest in him. Wait patiently for him. Commit yourself. The Bible says, commit your way to the Lord. Control yourself. Trust in Him. Now, one of the things that stood out to me as I studied this week was the emphasis on God working instead of us working. And really, that's, that's the theme of the gospel, isn't it? What makes Christianity different from all the other religions of the world is the difference between do and done. And I, I'm not the one who came up with this. I just thought it was a great observation Every other religion in the world says you have to do something to make yourself right with God. You have to follow these five pillars. You have to be reincarnated until you get to the right, you know, you're not a cockroach anymore or whatever it is. But Christianity says that's already been done for you by Jesus on the cross. Everything that needs to be done for you to go to heaven has been accomplished. What's required of us is to put our faith in Him. And maybe you're here and you've never done that. And I want to offer you the chance to do that. The, the altars will be open. They always are. But put your faith in Him. Trust in Him. Maybe you're a Christian and you're going through some stuff. Lean on Him. Trust in Him. It's not easy. It's not a one and done thing. You've got to keep doing it. As the old song says, have faith in God. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? As you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want you to—I just want you to think about: Do you have something in your life that's just, man, it's just weighing you down? It's like trying to carry a heavy load. God didn't intend for you to carry that on your own.
that yoke that Jesus talked about, that was a farm implement that, that hooked up two animals. You get hooked up to Jesus, let him carry that load. Even if you do all that, even if you are trusting in the Lord and you, you're laying it at His feet and you're doing the best you can, that's not to say that things are just going to be easy. That's not reality. It is saying that He'll be with you in whatever it is that you face. Heavenly Father, God, we see all the wickedness in this world, and it's disheartening, it's depressing. And sometimes we maybe toy with the idea of despair. May we have something going on in our, our homes, in our jobs, wherever it is. Those are, those are the things that are distressing to us. God, we know that invitation is still the same to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And we thank you so much that we can do that. That we give you these burdens, these, these heavy loads that are too great for us. And we know that it's, it's not too hard for you. We just ask that you'd help us as we uh, try our best to trust you, to have faith in you. God, I pray for encouragement as we face whatever situations we have in our lives. God, I ask you'd help us as we uh, see what's going on in the world to control our emotions. To not be angry and to stay away from sin. Lord, for the person maybe who's tried to work for their salvation, they've tried to do all the all the right things, thinking they will get them to heaven. God help them realize that you've already done it all. God, if there's somebody who doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come to know you today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.